people welcome back to the second hour of love babs love talk on babs rose ivy i'm delighted because i've got chef vincent Sharico in the house good morning chef now you gotta unmute yourself <laughs> i know that's not your thing you're in the kitchen <laughs> is that good yeah that's good how are you welcome to new haven hello thank you thank you happy you know, to be here happy to be in bring, connecticut i'm so glad what brings you here like of all the places of your skills and talents, what brings you to New Haven? Good question. Um, so, you know, New York City, my whole life, growing up, cooking, working, COVID hit. My wife, who's not a city girl, decided we were leaving uh, New York City. <laughs> and, and, and she's in charge, right? So we moved to uh, Westport. We moved to the Westport area during COVID about two years ago the uh the property that i'm in in new haven the gentleman who owns the building um i've had a long time relationship with him and he loved eating in my restaurants in new york city and years ago tried to hit me up to get me to come up to new haven and take the property at the time it just wasn't feasible right the distance uh me being occupied with my restaurants in the city um and then we just touched base once i moved here a couple of years ago we touched base once covid was over that was it um i always i was always in love with that property uh it's a you know it's a stunning location it's a fantastic property and it's fun to be in a new city you know it's i've been in new york city my entire life i've traveled but i've only had restaurants in new york city and i thought it'd, it'd be fun to you know um try out a new city and the property itself is fantastic so as long as i don't screw it up we should be good <laughs> well you know that that property has a has a lot of history like it's in the taft and yeah. you know I'm from New Haven, so I know the history of this place. And I've okay. I've I've been in that restaurant uh, lots of times on the different uh, uh, owners and different, different iterations, right? Yeah, different iterations. Um, back in the day, it was Hot Tomatoes, right? Uh, it always had sort of a, a, a sometimes an Italian Mediterranean theme to it. Always Hot Tomatoes, okay. the 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 um, the palms, which was very. Uh, uh, and then Roya, which um, was the last thing I think was there. And I think they're the ones that moved that bar out of the middle of the daggone room and pushed right. it back. <laughs> right. Which what, is are your, nice. what, what, what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I, I'm glad that they did because it oh, opened up this it opened up the space, I think. Yeah, look, I mean, it, it seems it seems appropriate where it is right now. Yes. Let's 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 well it, it used let's to agree be in the that. middle of the room. Like it used I know, to be like I, yeah. I still I still deal with the outline of the bar that is cemented <laughs> into the ground that I can't get rid of. <laughs> that you can't but get it's, rid of. It's 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 charm, right? There's some charm. So yes, you got high ceilings. It's a beautiful. It's a beautiful physical space. Look, I mean, I come from New York City, right? Where every square inch is, uh, you know, a million dollars, right? So 
the idea that I can have a space like this that has these various, you know, parts to it, and I can utilize them differently and appeal to different um, uh, clients looking for different experiences was the key for this property, right? You know, the goal is to not just have a fine dining restaurant, it's to have a really cool cafe that's operating all day at the entrance, a really fun bar scene, and then the main dining area, about 50 seats to be the, the more fine dining area, right? Mm -hmm. um, so when you walked into the space, did you did you know what kind of restaurant you wanted to open? And you're like, let me find the space. Or do you walk into the space and say, oh, I immediately get a sense of what I want to do in here? I personally have done uh, the latter, which is I walk into a space, I find a deal that I'm I find a good deal. I find, a, you know, I, I get a good energy from a property and I then will develop a concept that I think fits into the, the that specific property, neighborhood, demographic, whatever the case is. Right. And whatever, whatever I can facilitate. Right. Uh, the restaurant that I have in the West Village, uh, it's been document well documented. I signed the lease. I was a bit excited about being downtown for the first time after being on the Upper West for many years. I signed a lease, didn't do enough due diligence, realized that I couldn't cook, I couldn't vent, I couldn't get a full liquor license, and, I'm, wow. and, I, have a, and, and I have a lease that's signed for a very expensive uh, rent figure, and here I am now trying to figure out what am I going to do with this space. Um, so that was, that was quite a, you know episode of about a year and a half trying to figure out what to do with a space where I can't vent. I can't ventilate, right? So you can't, can't ventilate can't cook on gas and can't get a full liquor license, you know? And so from that was born a pretty cool restaurant course NYC, uh, mm -hmm. where, where we cook on electric only, uh, it's a food and wine pairing experience and, uh, it's been tremendously successful. So, you know, I'm proud of the fact that I've been able to adapt, you know, to the various situations. And, and, you know, I think you call on your, I think the vast experiences I've had working all over the world with different chefs and different environments allows me to apply to a specific property, something that can be successful, you know? Mm. So, so when did you so. know you wanted to be a chef? Were you a little kid in your grandmother's kitchen cooking? Like, how did you, how did you come to, to cooking? And then how did you transition into cooking and creating a business out of it? Right. I, uh, long story short, I grew up with my grandmother, spent a lot of time with grandma. She was, you know, still to this day, my favorite human, you know, uh, I mean, you know, let's, my wife may disagree with that, <laughs> but I, I, look, I, I had an amazing relationship. I had, a, <laughs> I had an amazing relationship with my grandmother. Right. And so my grandmother would, would, I'd stay over her house more times than not. Uh, mm -hmm. escaping my crazy Italian dad who drove me nuts. Uh, and she would literally have a tomato. You know, th th these are not rich people we're talking about, right? She would have a tomato, a, some spaghetti, an egg. And the next thing you know, I have this amazing meal in front of me, right? So I, I, I suspect there was some inspiration from that. And then, you know, I just, when I was 13 or 14, literally, I wanted to cook. Um, really? I hated, yeah, I hated school. Hey, buddy. I hated school. Um, this is Waylon. <laughs> Hi, Waylon. <laughs> Sorry about that. That's okay. uh, That's my boy. Um, 
I just, I, I really hated school. I didn't do well academically. It just wasn't my thing. I was always sort of a hands-on type kid, I thought, I think. And when I was 13 or 14, I wanted to be a chef. And I literally called New York City, all the cooking schools and said, hey, I'm 14 years old, but I want to come to your school. Can I? And they said, <laughs> and they said, no, absolutely not. You cannot come to our school <laughs> until you have a GED. So I went through the, I went through the motions of high school. Uh, didn't do very well, but got my GED. Uh, I didn't actually know. I graduated from high school, uh, barely, uh, had the diploma, had to break it to my dad, who is a very old fashioned Italian dude who has his own business that I grew up in, which was a meat market, family meat market, which is still exists 56 years later, right? Even wow. after my dad's passing. So I grew up in that environment of food too, in this meat market, you know, working on the weekend with dad and my uncles and my cousins. But I had to break to my dad that I'm his only son and I don't want to take over his business, right? And for an Italian pop who's an immigrant, that was a tough, tough go, right? So yeah. two, three years of him not talking to me, being upset. Yeah. Fine, <laughs> I was going to say, there must have been some, I, I can't talk to you right now, son, because it was breaking rough, my yeah. heart. Yeah. Yeah. So just about when I turned 17, 18, he finally caved in and said, all right, you know what? You want to be a chef? Let's just do it. So enrolled in school and just went after it, you know, and um, didn't love cooking school either, to be honest, um, but went through the motions to get through it. And when I was about 19 and a half, I walked into uh, Aquavit. In, oh my NYC. goodness. Yeah. So uh, before Marcus was the chef, actually, um, mm -hmm. I walked into Aquavit. I was about 19 and a half. Uh, just saying, you know, back in that day, back in those days, you looked at the daily news for jobs. There was no Craigslist. There was no, you know, internet wasn't really a thing as much. And you would look at daily news. You would see a job posting and you'd literally walk in and say, hey, hi, you know. And uh, I got hired on the spot, which was a minor miracle, right? Because I didn't have much cooking experience. But Started you could do that in those days because I was a culinary student. So I remember... Okay. I remember, like, I interned at the Waldorf, right? So oh, I interned cool. at the, I was a young kid, I'm pretty much around the same age as you were. And 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 they just let you do it. <laughs> well, you know, look, like today, right? I mean, a young person walks through the door, your eyes light up because you're like, you know, high energy kid, low cost, right? You, you were not going to pay this person a lot. And, you know, <laughs> they're either going to be, they're either going to last a week or they're going to last, or this is going to be their thing, right? So... So I started there uh, and literally my first three months in a New York City restaurant for the first time in my life, Marcus Samuelson was right next to me cooking, right? So he and I were actually cooking together. He was a sous chef at the time, right? And, you know, it's well documented that about six months later, they gave him the reins uh, to be the chef at Aquavit in that beautiful historic building with, you know, the mm -hmm. Rockefeller building that had the waterfall on 54th Street. And uh, he became the chef. Two months later, we got three stars from the New York Times, Ruth Reichel, and all hell broke loose. I mean, we went from doing 30, 40 dinners to 175 dinners with this small team in a small kitchen. The restaurant itself was beautiful, but the kitchen was very small, right? Um, but we went from doing 30, 40 covers to 170 covers a night for like six months, right? So that was the real test, you know? Do you really want to do this? Is this what you want to do? And and I just loved it. You know, I I... I I love the pressure. I love the intensity. It was just my thing. So yeah, you have to you know, love the pressure. 
Yeah, you know, you have to, you know, timing and so forth. You, you have to you have to like the adrenaline, you know, and uh, I'm not an adrenaline junkie. I don't like fast cars. I don't like to fly, which is weird because typically guys like me like that kind of stuff. <laughs> I don't, I'm not I'm not into, you know, high adrenaline, like jumping off building type stuff, but roller coasters I don't do. But but in the kitchen, that adrenaline is what what I love, you know, and so. Yeah, it just started there, you know, and um, Marcus was a huge mentor for me because uh, I was a young kid, you know, really mm -hmm. didn't know, my, you know, still finding my way. Right. I was a New York City kid. I sort of, you know, I wouldn't say I was a bad kid, but, you know, I was a New York City kid with sort of a New York City attitude, you know, and mm -hmm. it took several mentors to, uh, you know, <laughs> to beat me down to the to the to get to the place where I was when I was about 30. You know, I mean, my 20s, I spent. Marcus Samuelson, Rocco Despirito, Daniel Balud, Jean George, all these guys, right? Working in France, working in Sweden, working in Spain. And, you know, you decide, hey, I, if, if you really want this, um, you look at these guys who are successful and you, you sort of emulate them, you know? I mean, I was lucky. I was lucky with the with my mentors. Um, all, you know, like all very serious, very, very passionate. Um, you know, I don't, to this day, I don't drink in my own restaurants, you know, it's so there's a certain discipline that I picked up at a very young age from these from these guys, these mentors mm -hmm. of mine. And, uh, you know, it's it served me pretty well. So so sorry for the you... long answer. <laughs> no, this this is great. I mean, listen, this is a good answer. So yeah. when did you know you wanted to open a restaurant? Did you always want your own restaurant or did so... that dream come later? Great question, right? And this is like the this is the million dollar question for guys like me and chefs like me, right? I mean, you go from a kid from Brooklyn, nineteen, trying to cook, uh, trying to find my way to you know. By the time I was twenty seven, twenty eight, um, I had taken a chef job at twenty seven. I think I was my first like executive chef job. It was a restaurant on Fifty Seventh Street, and look, it wasn't a, it was more of like a nightclubby kind of place, but they gave me an opportunity to be the head guy, right? Which is kind of what you're after, after working for all these great mentors, you want to kind of do your own thing, you know, creatively, et cetera. And um, they gave me an opportunity. Again, it wasn't a food first restaurant, but so Marcus and all the guys were like, what are you doing in this place? <laughs> you know, uh, but I said, hey, it's my decision and I'm going for it. So, but what, what you realize when you are a chef working with ownership, it is a very difficult uh, dynamic, right? Because as a chef, especially a young chef working in the restaurants that I worked, for me, it's all about food, right? I don't care about the bottom line. It's not, I mean, at that point in your career, it's not about bottom line. It's about becoming this, you know, well-known chef, right? And whatever means necessary. So costs are not really something you think about, you know? And obviously that dynamic with an owner who's there to, to, to get a bottom line and to sustain his business, which I understand now better, um, you know, at that point is when you realize, okay, you know, I can't creatively wake up every day and cook food in conjunction with an owner who wants to make money. I need to wake up every day, figure out a formula to cook the food that I want to cook, but also sustain a business, right? Mm. And I knew right there, 26, 27, that I needed my own restaurant. And otherwise, I wouldn't, I would not continue to do what I was doing, you know, because I create... The creative aspect, the passionate part of it was what dominates, right? And that's what dominates most chefs. And if you're lucky enough to find a formula where you can run a successful business, wake up every day, 
and and live your creative dream i mean what's better than that right so for anyone not only chefs so i went on this mad, massive tear for two or three years not knowing a thing about real estate in new york city looking at restaurant you know i'm i'm like looking at restaurant properties that in no shape or way or no shape no way shape or form i could afford or even had the means to do it but i would just go look and educate myself on what it's like to lease a store you know and I remember dragging around the, you know, the real estate brokers and they're looking at me like this pretty young guy, like, you know, so you have investors you have. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm all set, <laughs> you know, but one thing led to one thing led to another. And I found this, you know, I through this, you know, pursuit, I found this location on the Upper West Side, Manhattan, 77th Street. It was a fast food place that had a beer and wine license. Hmm. Um, I walked in one day and I knew they weren't doing well. I happened to be living there at the time on the Upper West. And I walked in, I, I knew they weren't doing well. And I met the owner and said, hey, look, you know, here's who I am. Here's my resume. I don't have a lot of money, but if you want to partner with me, um, I'll take on this store. I'll turn this business around. I'll make it a restaurant. Um, and, you know, you can be my partner reluctantly after three four months five months of you know sort of going back and forth with this gentleman he agreed you know he didn't really have much to lose he didn't have much to lose to be honest you know the business wasn't doing well he had a lot of debt so I proceeded to make the worst deal in the history of of deals <laughs> because you know at that point in your life you're so you're so enamored with having your own restaurant and doing your thing that mm -hmm. you'll do whatever it takes. And it's New York would City, you, right? Would you do it all again that way? Like you know so much now. I would do I would do it all. I, I mean, look, would I would I make a better financial deal? <laughs> sure. But the idea that I was, you know, 28, 29 years old with my own my own little restaurant that I built myself, um, and I had to figure it out, right? I didn't have investors, I didn't have partners, it was just me, right? um uh, both on the creative side but also on the economic side so i don't think there would have been i don't think there's any better route you know uh to have gone to really learn how to balance like i said the key thing is balancing the chefdom with the business person right and that's where a lot of folks that came up like me who are very passionate about food and have a very one-track mind have failed right they've, they've tried to open restaurants but they can't balance the idea of okay how do I make amazing food, but also sustain a business, you know, and that balance is, is key. So my restaurant, so how many restaurants do you have now? Uh, I have one in the city and, uh, I had a couple of properties in the city. The first restaurant that I opened on the upper West, which I was describing, uh, went 16 years. So that in itself was, you know, was pretty awesome. Right. I mean, I yeah, didn't, cause that's a long time for a restaurant, I think, especially for my first one, you know, and being a kid, you know, so that sort of set you know that gives you the confidence and the, and the you know and the know-how and so forth uh i then opened a course nyc down in west village in 2016. i had a property in industry city in brooklyn which is this huge uh chelsea market spin-off um i did something there for about five years uh, they changed plans during covid so i i stopped uh you know operating there but and then Vi on the Upper West Side, which was my first love, my first restaurant, my first everything, where to this day, all my clients are still great friends of mine. I closed that just before the pandemic. You know, the lease was ending. The landlord, typical New York City landlord, would, didn't want to negotiate. 
And I just said, you know what, let me, I just gave it up. You know, it was hard. It was a hard thing because that was my love, right? My first restaurant, mm-hmm. the Upper West Side, the Upper West Side, my relationship with folks. But at the end of the day, at that point, I realized, you know what, it, it, you know, the rents are high and it's, it's, a, it's a challenge, right? And the landlord was, would just not budge. I had been there. I had been with him for 11 years. Paid, wow. paid a ton of rent. <laughs> and I went to him and said, I went to him and I said, hey, you know, um, and it's a small restaurant, right? You're talking 1,200 square feet. I'm paying 23, 24,000 a month in total, right? Oh, 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 oh. Yeah, be, yeah, yeah. Between rents and tax and water, I was paying 23, 24,000 a month. And so I went to him. I'll never forget this. We had a meeting and I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of reviving the place a little bit. You know, it, it was old, right? I had been there a while. Wanted to make some changes, cosmetic changes, and re- re-energize the concept a little bit. At this time, I had my downtown restaurants were already open. Um, and he basically rejected everything I had to offer. You know, I said, hey, give, I just wanted two months free in rent. I wanted the summer free, renovate the place, improve his property, right? Because I'm just a leaseholder. And at, on the other side of that two months free, I would have signed a brand new 10-year lease, right? So he'd lock me in. And he wouldn't give me the two months free. Wow. So, which was a crazy decision on his part. But I think I think he didn't think that I would leave, right? So I okay. called his bluff and I, I called his bluff and I said, I'm done. And I left and started focusing on the West Village property, which I have still, and uh, the Brooklyn property. So I currently have West Village, uh, Course NYC. It's on its uh, seventh, what is it? No, about 50 year now, 60 year, 60 year. Um, I have a, I actually signed a lease in Norwalk for another restaurant in Connecticut. So what um, kind of food are we talking? I mean, is every restaurant different food wise or does it all have some connecting uh, uh, flavors, food properties? Like, is it all very different? Like if I walk into one, is it is it Japanese? Is it or is it fusion Italian, you know that's a, that's it? a good that's a good question. A lot of people ask, a lot of people ask that. It's a, it's really a hard it's actually a hard question to answer. They're not so the concepts themselves, the names are not connected in any way, right? Um, again, it's it's about adapting to the property itself, mm-hmm. the demographic around you, the town you're in, and you know I'm still learning New Haven, right? I mean I'm it's it's very new for me. So it's a very food town. It's a very food yeah yeah. City. I mean. Uh, you know, I'm right in the, the downtown area, which has some great <laughs> restaurants and a great vibe, right? Um, but to answer your question, you know, it's, 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 I draw inspiration from all my experiences, working in Japanese restaurants, working in three-star Michelin restaurants, working in French restaurants, working with hyper-creative people like Marcus and Rocco Despirito. And, you know, you, you look at a property, you study it, and you, you, you evaluate you know, it's, it's also execution is a big part of it, right? You know, it's it's not just wake up today and this is the dream dish that I want to do. It's how do I get my people to be able to execute that dish on the level that I need? So there's a lot of different layers to it, you know. Um, mm. Chefs chefs are, you know, have to be pretty calculated to be successful and, and very, very strategic. And there's a lot that goes into, you know, a successful restaurant. Look, there's many, many restaurants out there that are successful. And so people sometimes overlook how difficult it could be. But to be on a certain level that I would like to be on and execute every day on a certain level, it's 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 an interesting challenge. But, you know, to answer your question, look, I, I love I love the simplicity of Japanese cooking. 
Uh, I love the flavors. I love, like I said, the simplicity of it, the freshness of it. But I'm also Italian and Mediterranean, and and you know, that's my heritage. And I sort of, so it's you know, you'll find uh, hamachi and polenta on the same menu. You know, so it's not fusion, right? Fusion would be the wrong word because fusion would mean that you're combining these flavors on the same plate. That I tend to not do. I tend to treat the hamachi the way it's supposed to be treated and the polenta in a way that it's supposed to be treated, right? So so the client can sort of decide, hey, I feel like I want to go lighter Japanese today or I want to go Italian and, and, you know, polenta with truffle and egg and cheese, you know, that kind of thing. So, you know, each dish has its own identity. And yeah, I'm sorry, I, it's a long, <laughs> it's a no, tough it's question not. to answer, so you know. So do you do you chase the Michelin star? Do you I mean, is that a is that a dream that every chef has for their restaurant to chase that Michelin award? You know, I'm not, I, you know it's it's a good question. I don't I'm not sure how to answer that one in the, in the sense in, in terms of what guys are after, I think. Look, Michelin can go both ways, right? I mean, Michelin, you get a Michelin star, you could scare off a lot of people. Uh, you know, so so there's there's that way of looking at it, right? I mean, um, some folks, look, my restaurant in the city, Course NYC, you know, do clients come there in, day in and day out and say, why don't you have a Michelin star? Why don't you have a Michelin star? And I say, look, as long as you think I should have a Michelin star and you're coming back, that's all I care about. That That is my Michelin star, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. that's what it's about, right? So, yes, to be honest with you, what a Michelin star or stars would do, it just, it 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 is a marketing opportunity, in my opinion, right? Mm. It's not going to make me feel any better that, about what I do because the clients that come in day in and day out and write good reviews and go out of their way to to tell us, hey, this was a really special experience. We really appreciate you. Um, that's what's important, right? The Michelin star or, you know, anything like that is is great because it's a marketing opportunity. You know, I mean, you have tourists coming to New York City, for example. What are the Michelin star restaurants? You know, uh, things like that. Right. So is it something that I would appreciate? Sure. Is it something that I'm after? Not really. You know, it's I've my restaurants. People know me in the city. The writers know me, but I've never been. I've always been a little bit under the radar. You know, I've always been like. Mostly because I'm in my restaurants cooking, right? And, you know, it's rare that I do stuff like this, you know, in, in my history, it's, it's you know, I'll have people call me, hey, do you want to be the, you know, do this appearance or do that? And I'm like, I need to work, you know? So, <laughs> so, I mean, that's the reality, right? And so, yes, maybe I missed some opportunities to be, a, you know, a TV star chef, but. Well, you're you know, pretty damn uh, close. I mean, well, you're pretty close. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, that just means you just haven't food, stepped into network, that role. But yeah, you're food close. network hasn't food network hasn't called yet. But oh, they probably will. <laughs> so, so you know, with the ever changing palates and with the emergence of allergies and and people and vegans and 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 people who are all kinds of things, and I'm I'm yep. one of these people who has a severe dairy allergy, and so I'm okay. always you know challenging yep. restaurants to make things that are not dairy. Things. Right. Um, do you have do you do you adjust to that kind of flexibility in in your restaurants? You know, uh, with the with the the changing palates and diets of folks. Well, look, it's going to be for me. It's going to be very specific to the property, right? I mean, course NYC in the city is 
full on, full spontaneous, fully spontaneous experience. You have no idea. You you have no idea what's coming to you, even when you're sitting there for dinner. So in New York City, at Course NYC, you've committed to two hundred dollars per person, food and wine, two and a half hours. That's all we're giving you. We don't give you anything else. And I trust me. It's it. And that's that, a ride. <laughs> talk, talk about balance. Talk about balancing chef and business person. Talk about that balance in that restaurant is the ultimate challenge for that because you know how many people call and say, "Hey, I'm coming in tonight with six people." Uh, you know, we're really excited about your experience, but we have a few people who want to know what the menu is. And we'll say, I'm sorry, it's just not, we can't give it to you. And they'll cancel. They'll literally cancel their reservation. Well, can they say this person can't have this? Does that help? Like We, we, we are fully equipped in real time to deal with any allergies, okay. vegan, ve- not allergies, but like dietary restrictions, right? Mm-hmm. And we obviously... That's our selling point. Hey, we're a spontaneous tasting menu, but if you're vegan, if you're vegetarian, if you're, you know, have allergies, we will accommodate you. Like we're we're not out here saying, hey, screw. There's restaurants. You look at some restaurants in the city that are tasting menu on their website in bold. They say, do not accommodate vegan, vegetarian, pescatarian. Like they literally. Oh, I, I know. <laughs> right. And you know, I'm saying, wait a second. That you know, I mean, look, more power to them, right? If they can fill their restaurants, alienating all these people good for them. But um, no, look, to answer your question, I think in, in a, in a traditional restaurant like New Haven, the Luke, you basically gear toward, you know, you would, you would, a chef doesn't want to take a dish that he's created and tear it apart. Right. Mm. He doesn't want to say, he doesn't want to do like, I don't want to do a polenta dish with mushroom and truffle without mushroom or without cheese or without, you know what I mean? But what you'll do if you're, if your hospitality instincts are in the right place as a chef, which I believe mine aren't, some chefs don't get that, is you'll come out and you'll have a chat and say, hey, look, here's the dish that I recommend for you based on your restrictions that you'll, that I've created that you'll be satisfied by, you know, that doesn't need manipulation, right? Mm. And in some cases, if you want something manipulated, like, like if you really want the white asparagus, Without the cheese, of course, we're going to give it to you, right? We're going to serve it to you. I mean, and that's that's the kind of stuff you learn. I mean, Danielle Baloud, one of my mentors, the guy I worked for, was like, you know, he's the ultimate chef, right? I mean, he's one of the top chefs yeah. in the world. And, you know, his mantra was hospitality first, right? I'm a hospitality host first, chef second. If a client wants to come in here and tell me, tear my dish apart into three pieces, but that's what they want and that'll make them happy. You do it. And so, like I said, yeah, you know, you draw on these things, right? I mean, when you have folks like that, that you've worked for that are, that display that sort of flexibility, you know, and then you have your own business, you know, you'd be, you'd be silly not to, you know, learn from those examples, you know? And so, yeah, you know, like I said, you know, you'll try to gear, I I would, my personal preference would be to, Hey, this dish is perfect for you. Stay away from that dish, you know, because okay. if I take the cheese off this dish, it's not going to be as good, you know. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's vegan, there's vegan offerings now. Um, you know, I tend to cook. I tend to cook on the lighter side to begin with. I don't use a lot of dairy. I don't use a lot of butter, you know, except for a handful of dishes that that's what the dish is about. Um, mm. You know, that's what I like about Japanese cooking, right? When was the last time you went to a Japanese restaurant and had cream and cheese? You know, just Never. it's just not what they do, right? Yeah. So, so the ability to like embrace that, 
and and the freshness and the you know the the the, the lack of dairy butter uh the ability to create great flavor without you know doing it different than what the french style would be you know french cooking yes. you know classic french cooking is about butter butter cream you know it's all the Although, when i was in paris chef vincent I ate vegan every day because they have tons and tons of vegan restaurants Our parish, yeah. and, and patisseries, right? So yeah, I sure. could get a croissant and I could get chocolate and I could get all the things. Well, at least, at, least they, at least they told you it was vegan. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about the name. What What is the Luke? What is, what's the, tell me the, tell me about that before I let so, you go. Oh yeah. That's another great question because I, I've been in what we've, we've been doing business for about a month now. And uh, three times a day, a client will say, is you, are you Luke? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and without, without, without being rude, I say it's the Luke, not Luke's. Right. So that should tell you something. Um, but, but the point is uh, yeah, look, it's hard to name a restaurant, right. Um, in this particular property for the first time, I, I have a significant partner who, you know, was the owner of the building and he's, he's an equal partner with me at least. Right. And so I haven't had that before, you know, I've been able to sort of wake up every day and say, this is what I'm going to do. Right. Um, and, and it's, and naming a restaurant is already difficult, but then when you have other folks chiming in, it amplifies the difficulty. Right. Um, so I had 20 names before the loop, to be honest with you. And it, you know, you wind up, we wound up at the Luke uh, because that was a suggestion. You know, we, we, we sort of sent out a poll to friends of ours and said, hey, here's 20 names, you know, vote on them. And we literally sent this out. My, a friend of mine who worked for Nielsen sent out this thing and we had like 100 people vote on which name do you like the best. And the French version of Luke was the winner, L-U-C, mm. which I, which I kind of liked, right? It's a little sexy. And my partner who is a French guy, French Moroccan <laughs> said, no, 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 no. That's not good for the, for an American, uh, for Americans. I said, what do you mean? Like they'll get it. He said, well, they won't be able to pronounce it. Said, okay, man. So what, so what do you want to call it? So what do you want to do? And he said, well, let's call it the Luke, like L-U-K-E, the American version. And I mm. thought to myself, and I thought, man, that's not very sexy, you know, but, <laughs> but the reason why I agreed to it and what I like about it is that it, it, and for me, it invokes like a whimsy, right? It, 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 it can be, the Luke can be like a cocktail bar on the Lower East Side. Yeah. You know, so it, 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 it's a fun name, right? And, and that's why I sort of agreed to it. But, you know, these names are born from, you know, they, they, there's not much rhyme or reason to when you name a restaurant, even though some people may say there is, you know, like my first restaurant was Vibe. <clears throat> that had no significance to me, but I knew I wanted an Italian, I, I knew I wanted an Italian name and I knew I wanted it to be one syllable, right? An Italian name that is only one, that's easy for Americans to pronounce, right? Mm. And so Luke is the same thing, you know, it's not long, it's Luke, boom, you know, hey, no, let's Luke. go to the... Yeah. Like hey, it. let's go. Let's go to the loop. You know, it's well, I'm coming for dinner soon. So, yes. See what you could whip up for me. So are you vegan? I, I am vegan ish because I have a severe dairy allergy. So, I mean, I eat meat. Pescatarian? And, and, you know, uh, uh, it's just easier for me to say I'm vegan when okay, I go and then to adjust. places and then adjust because. Okay. But you eat, you, eat, you, eat, you eat meat and fish? 
Yes, I do. Okay. Yes, You're I one do. of those. You're one of those. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So, so, so I appreciate your time, chef. This was a yeah. great conversation. I, a lot of fun. I appreciate you. And uh, I look forward to having you on that block and uh, having another place to eat. So, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a fun, it's going to be a fun ride. I'm excited to be there, you know, and uh, excited to hang out with people like you. And, you know, obviously we need to spend some time together. So you have to come to the restaurant. I'm coming. Welcome to New Haven. Because <laughs> I have to see if I can, I have to see if I can satisfy your culinary uh, needs, right? That's that right. Goes. And, yeah. you know, I'm a former chef, so, you know, I'm yes, picky, ma'am. too. <laughs> yeah. So right. thank you for your time this morning and happy cooking to you. And welcome you. to New Haven. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Take care. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, Harry, we are on our way out. Thank you so much. Y'all have a good week, weekend. I'll be back uh, on Monday with some new folks to talk to. Uh, and uh, hopefully I'll s- skip into the Luke sometime soon and uh, eat. So y'all be good and I'll see y'all soon. All right, Harry, play us out. Thank you so much. Bye, Chef. Bye.